All right, Kevin, a very simple question for you. What do we do with you, say, Kikuchi? I'm not sure it matters at this point. I mean, I guess the only option that I think you have is throw him in the bullpen, don't use him unless it's a blowout. It's real simple. He's not making another start for me if I'm managing, if I'm the GM. You just can't continue to run that out there, giving up too many walks, giving up too many homers. Uh, I I will say this about tonight. You know, uh, most of the starts that we've seen him have this year, there were a lot of non-competitive pitches. Didn't have a lot of those tonight. It was just Danny Jansen would set up one spot. He would throw it in another spot. You do that against good hitters in the middle of an order with a hot team who's confident, who thinks they can beat you anywhere they play you. You got to make good pitches. He did, and he got he paid for it, and they lost the baseball game. Let me throw something out. There's only one thing that you say Kikuchi has done well this year, or reasonably well, or half-assed, I guess, would be the way I put it, and that's he's pitched okay against the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. Now it hasn't been great, but I'm looking at his numbers: four games against the Yankees, the 3.86 ERA, 21 strikeouts, eight walks. Okay, the numbers at Yankee Stadium aren't that great. But here's here's where I'm going with this. I mean, we've already you know what you know what he is. But you got this guy. Why not let him make another start at Yankee Stadium? Because you're you know, you're already gonna be dealing with some some other or you're dealing with some other pitching issues. Why not let him make another start? I just I, for me anyway, I, I just think the the way like Why did he, he make this start? What's the difference between having to make this start and not having to make the next one. I've been saying for a month and a half they should put this guy in the bullpen and worry about the rest of that stuff in the offseason. Well, I know you're trying to get me to say that they gave him three years for $36 million. That's exactly why he's pitching tonight. That's why exactly they've given him chance after chance after chance after chance to run out there and try and figure it out, and he didn't. And I, you just said it. He doesn't pitch well in Yankee Stadium on the road. Guess where the third start would be in the third game? In Yankee Stadium. So, I, for me, I, I, there's better options. M- Mitch White will give you a better chance. Ross Stripling gives you a better chance. Jose Barrios is the one sort of unknown of what you're going to get. But, again, at six at 130, you're giving him every start that he's going to get every single year that he's here. For me, I just I just don't see how you can continue to run him out there. Now, I, I will say this. He's not the only reason they lost tonight. Offensively, they're just – when it, when the at-bats matter the most, 0-0 counts, 2-0 counts. Uh, you see 1-2 uh, fastballs taken right down the middle with runners in scoring position. I just don't get it. Like, the approaches to the plate with, with – at bats that matter the most, where that pitcher's making his money, where the guy standing at the plate's making his money, you just don't see those at bats that are very good. And if they want to go to the playoffs, those at bats have to get much better. Now, I will say this George Springer looked healthy. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finally hit another homer. I mean, how many baseballs can you see the on the outside corner being a, as good a hitter as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is? Finally. He got the foot down. He got the barrel out in front of the plate. He actually created some backspin and hit a ball to right center field. Hopefully that, you know, catches fire and he can continue to maybe hit some homers because they're going to need him. Like these at-bats have to get better. Defensive plays, when it matters the most, have to get better. Strike one, strike three has to get better with these starting pitchers. If not, it's probably not looking very good for the playoffs. Yeah, it was not a great night in the field for the Blue Jays. Bo making an error. And, of course, you say Kikuchi contributing to his own demise with uh, throwing error. Three of the six runs were unearned as the Baltimore Orioles, I should say, against Kikuchi were unearned. 
as the Baltimore Orioles beat the Jays 7-3 in the first of three games at the Rogers Center. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. If you want to text us, name and location, please. 590-590 is the text line. Kevin, um, talking about the approaches, and yes, we will focus on Kikuchi, but talking about the approaches, looking at some of these, looking at some of these at bats, uh, you know, I'm looking at Matt Chapman's uh, pop up with two on uh, in the what was that? Was that the sixth inning? Fifth, fifth inning. Fifth inning with two on that pop up. I mean, there was there was you know, Mitt, uh, Whit Merrifield had a had a pop up. Bo Bichette hit into a double play. Vladdy struck out swinging on three consecutive pitches. Bo started an inning, started the eighth inning, swinging it, going down to three sliders. I, I, I mean, yeah, Kikuchi is always going to be the story in any one of his starts. But you're absolutely right. A, a, a lot of uh, the Jays had a couple of situations here where they could have broken this thing open. And once again, as was the case against the Guardians, they they just couldn't muster anything. I, I, I hate to continue to say this, but they are very right-handed. Now, Kyle uh, Bradish, you had to wonder how the approach would be different. And you could tell earlier in counts, he'd flip, get the little flip me over breaking ball to get ahead. That's a different look. He would throw a few more fastballs in. That's a little bit different look. But if you noticed, every time he needed a big out, what did he do? Slider away, fastball away. Slider away, fastball away. And if you're a decent pitcher with a somewhat of, of some velocity that you can somewhat locate, doesn't even have to be, you know, pinpoint location it just has to be a way to a bunch of right-handed hitters again it gets back to that buck martinez was saying it basically all night is to beat these guys that are throwing balls away it's they're not going to do it with power they're going to have to string together three or four hits in an inning and for whatever reason they just haven't been able to do that and this gets back to, you know, it's going to always start with starting pitching. You sort of, Your team sort of looks the way your starting pitcher looks, but when you got a lineup that can produce the way the Blue Jays can and are not, and again, it gets back to these simple counts, like 2-0 count in the second inning with Tapia. He chased an elevated heater, grounded out. That's not a good at bat. You know, it's it's the the you talked about it. The uh, what what was it? It was the Bo Bichette OO first and third one out. The OO breaking ball that was elevated. That's not a good at bat. That's not a ball that Bo Bichette can can drive. Like it's just it's those little at bats like that with key guys coming up to the plate that you expect to have better at bats that just don't. And with all of these teams bunched together, I mean, there's five or six different teams here. It's going to come down to who can have the better at bats, who can throw strike one, who can compete when it matters the most. And right now, the Blue Jays aren't doing that. 416-870-0590, star 590, 888-666-0590, 590-590 is the text line. Shlomo in Scarborough, you're on Blue Jays Talk. Hey, guys. Listen, we can harp on this game, but it's becoming a broken record. I got a kind of the same question for both of you, but let's, like, break into like a fantasy world uh blair season's over you're now uh shapiro what are you doing uh barker you're the gm what are you doing because at this pace if barrios and um kikuchi can't get their act together it's going to be real hard for rasta to save his job so i'm curious what you guys would do 
Uh, so I'm Shapiro. Well, I'm not getting rid of the general manager, so that's the easy one. He's got too he's got too many years left in his contract. So Barker, you're the general manager. I've given you a vote of confidence. <laughs> now you make the moves. <laughs> well, these are easy. Like you know, Barrios, you're giving him enough money. You think his track record's having a bad year? I mean, a lot of guys have bad years where the stuff just not coming off the fingers the way you want it to. And you know, I'm going to look at it that way. I, I have Alec Manoa to hang my hat on. I have Kevin Gossman. Now what you work on the bullpen. You need swing, more swing and miss stuff. You need a, a surprise or two, but it would start with velocity. The more velocity you have, the better chance you got of going later in the season and being able to miss and, and work your way through some tough lineups. And, oh, by the way, we said this till we're blue in the face, till we can't say it anymore, the lineup is very right-handed. It is sometimes very, very very easy to pitch to, and quite frankly, it makes mediocre pitching that much better. That would be so. The first two things I'm going to do: more power out of the pen, and if you know, I don't really care. It doesn't have to be Jose Ramirez, but it has to be some decent guys who know how to handle the bat, who can go the other way, who can hit velocity. You sprinkle those in who are left-handed, and I don't really care where they play. If they have to DH, if they have to play second, if they have to give the shortstop some days off, if they can play a little bit of that and they can play the outfield, you know, you've got to figure. If you have to trade Teoscar Hernandez in the offseason, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, listen, uh, I, I'm with you completely on that. Um, I've got to get at least two left-handed bats in here. Uh, I would certainly consider moving Teoscar. I don't think there's any question about that. If it would help me get a left-handed bat, I think you have to take a real serious look at second place or at second base if you can get another left-handed bat in there. Love what Santiago Espinal has given me. But again, if I need to get a left-handed bat in there in a place that's going to make me better, I would look at that. And, and, and this is just me, but I think we've talked about this in Blair and Barker. At some point, you've got to make a decision on Bo and Vladdy. You just do. And that decision right now is you sit down, you get Vladdy signed to a big contract, and then we have to talk about Bo. That, I mean, that's 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 the way I look at it. But I mean, we're not there yet. I mean, the Jays are still in the wild card. They are spot. They're still in a wild card spot, although the head of the, the the hold is uh, certainly more tenuous, I think, than a lot of us thought. Uh, than a lot of us thought we'd be seeing at any point in August. I really did. I thought by now they'd be comfortably. Uh, in the wild card spot, a little bit like the, like Atlanta is in the National League. When I say comfortably, four or five games up, and uh, as opposed to life and death to get into the thing, which is beginning to look like they might be. Ed and Scarborough, go ahead, Ed. Hey guys. Um, so the one thing that is that I can't wrap my head around when the Jays' offense was struggling early in the season. People in the media were talking about Guillermo Martinez and the Jays' lineup needing to change their approach or what do we do with Guillermo Martinez. But when it comes to Pete Walker, I'm not saying we need to fire him, but I, like his reputation, let's be honest, is built on what he did with Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. He has, no one has brought up the struggles of Kikuchi and Burrios and tied that with Pete Walker. Like, I just want to hear you guys talk about that or what you guys think about that because if you're going to praise him for what he did with Robbie Ray and Steven Matz, then the then he needs to be called out on what's happening with Kikuchi and Barrios. This is over 40 starts in. He has two of the worst pitchers when it comes to ERA and their whips are over 1.4. Yeah, I'll say a couple of things about that and then I'll pass it over to Barker. First of all, you got to have a longer memory than that. I think Pete Walker's record goes back a little before Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. 
Uh, Guillermo Martinez, there may have been people calling for him to be fired. I don't know if either of us were. I think we're both on the same page when it comes to coaches and the impact coaches uh, and the impact coaches can have. You know, you say Kikuchi, I, 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 I mean, that's the general manager. That's the general manager who went out and gave the dude th- gave three years and $36 million to a guy who was so bad last year that the Seattle Mariners decided not only did they not want to bring him back, I mean, they didn't even want him in their roster at the end of the year. So, you know, that's, I mean, that's where, that's where, where we are in that. Kevin, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, for me anyway, look, the Yusei Kikuchi thing for me is a big project. That was something that you probably should have thought of trying to do in the offseason. You want to change a guy. You want to completely rehaul the way he tries to pitch, not throwing cutters anymore, sliders. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted to try and figure it out in season. If you want to blame the pitching coach, more power to you. For, for me, when you start to give guys big-time money, like Jose Barrios, Jose Barrios has got 160-plus starts coming in being as – starting his Blue Jay career. For me, it's a big sample size. You should know how to self-correct on the mound and stop throwing the same cement mix and breaking ball that you always do. You should be able to do that. And if you want to blame the coach, more power to you. You know, the locker rooms that I've been in, it's very hard to always be able to do that. But, yes, you know, it's – if that's that's the easy guy to point the finger at, more power to you. Bradley and Alora on the text line. Hey, Bark and Jeff, if Jays want to make the playoffs, no more scheduled off days for position players need the best lineup out there every night. It'd be different if we were 10 games up like the Yankees. I think Buck Martinez made that point during the telecast, and I'm with him 100% here. I mean, I'm not one of those people that always rolls their eyes at the high-performance department and guys need, needing a day off, but you got enough days off coming up in September. You can make this work. If you're healthy, get your ass out on the field every day. It's about winning games now. You can rest in October, at the end of October, if your team's out of the playoffs. That's where I am on it, Kevin. Uh, well, I'm, I'm only thinking there's be, there would be two guys. That's Alejandro Kirk and, and George Springer. Why would you give George Springer days off? He, he looks like he's healthy and raring and ready to go. Even sounds like he wants to play center. If he can do both of those things and compete the way he competed tonight at the plate, I don't see why you would. I mean, I think it looks to me like they're having five scheduled days off anyway. How many more days they got? I mean, it's yeah, you're playing I'm 48 you. games. You got five scheduled days off. That's enough days off. I'm with you. But again, if they do get days off, would it surprise you? Like this is the load. This is the, oh, the God, error no. of the load management. And this is just what they they think they have to do to get the best out of these players. I don't like it. I'm, a lot of fans don't like it because it is crunch time, and and there there may, may come a time where there is no tomorrow, and you need every single guy that you got to come up and try to perform at its at his highest level. But well, we'll wait yeah, and see on that. I, I don't think you should hold your breath. Is my point? Yeah, I I would not like to see this team load manage its its way into being two games out of the wild card at the end. I'm of with the, you at the end of the season. Um, Alex from Bowmanville. Uh, hey, lads, did you guys notice how Kikuchi's neck looked really strained or whatever it was? Might need IL for the rest of the year. I mean, all joking aside, I mean, we've kind of talked about that's that's an option, I guess, for him. But uh, I, I tend to think that, uh, you know, something Dan Schulman asked, uh, asked John Schneider about in his pregame availability today was the possibility of, he called it piggybacking, which is, uh, you know, and, and John Schneider said, I think we need to come up with another phrase for that. But basically, figuring out a way to make use of Kikuchi 
that allows you to have somebody else available or use Kikuchi to piggyback with somebody, whatever. They're going to have to get creative with it because, again, they're managing some situations here. They got Jose Barrios can't win on the road. You got Kevin Gossman. You know, Kevin Gossman's a better pitcher, uh, a, a better pitcher on the road than he is at home. I mean, it's it's minor. It's not. I'm not saying you're not going to start Kevin Gossman at home, but the fact of the matter is, his numbers away from the Rogers Center are good. Alec Manoa is up against, you know, uh, a lot of innings. And Ross Stripling. Let's keep in mind, Ross Stripling was a swing guy this year, and he's now become a valuable part of the starting rotation. And you know, Mick White gives you a chance. But what I'm saying is, there's a lot of situation these guys situations these guys are managing right now. It'd be a lot easier to manage this if Jose Barrios was the Jose Barrios of last year. Right. Then maybe you can you can do a few things, but I, but, I don't know uh, how who who would you who would you open before you say Kikuchi? I'm assuming that's the word you would use the the opener. Who, who would do that? Zach Pop, all the other guys. You're trying to be you you want to be high leverage guys for you sixth inning on. I mean, I don't, it's, right now they don't really have any options for that, and you're trying to polish something that don't need to be polished. Seven three, the Baltimore Orioles beating the Blue Jays in the first of three games at the Rogers Center tonight. We will take a break, come back, see if the manager has said anything about this, and go to the phone lines as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan. Yes, we're doing Blue Jays talk. And now the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. Yes, you can. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. The Tampa Bay Rays, Mr. Barker. My Rays! They're my Rays again. Beat the Yankees 4-0 tonight. The... Seattle Mariners and the LA Angels are playing a late game. Seattle's currently leading Detroit and Cleveland split. Those are the teams in and around the Jays and the wild card race. As we look at the wild card standings right now, Tampa Bay is 61 and 53. Toronto is 61 and 53. Seattle is 62 and 54. They're still playing. You have a three-way tie right now statistically. The wild card spot, Baltimore is a game and a half back. Minnesota's two back. Chicago White Sox are two back. Boston is five back. And if uh, you're out there wondering when it w- when the last time the Blue Jays lost four games in a row to the Baltimore Orioles, you have to go all the way back to the end of the 2016 season and April 2017. The Jays are two and five against Baltimore this year. 20 and 22, Kevin Barker. 20 and 22 against AL East opponents. And uh, since we're keeping track of that, of course, their record against teams uh, with a greater than 500 record is uh, 30 and 41. Ooh, not good. Not great. Not good at all. John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, was asked after the game about guess who? You say Kikuchi. This is what the manager had to say. Did you see anything different from from recent starts? Was there anything that stood out encouraging or different to you? A lot of strikes, um, especially early. I thought he had good stuff. I know a little bit of bad luck from the first hitter with that bloop single that turned into a double. And, um, you know, close pitch to Santander on the walk and then the two-run homer to Mountcastle. But, you know, it's it's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for us. But I thought overall his – his stuff was okay. 
um, and it's just limiting damage going forward. Is it on the table that Kikuchi could skip his next start and, and have more time to work on things? Yeah, I think everything's on the table right now. Um, again, we just want him to continue to focus on the things he's working on, but I think having options and having other guys that can step into roles is a good thing, and uh, you know we'll figure that out in the next couple of days. That's John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, a very diplomatic John Schneider. Everything is on the table, Kevin Parker. Yeah, I don't know what you want him to say. Like, that's the uh, – he was right. Like, his stuff was better tonight. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what he's trying to, to get from the slider. I don't really understand that thing. It still sometimes looks like a cutter. I know he's tried to eliminate that, and he's changed grips on the slider. Uh, he abuses it. Like, the, the, the one walk that he had against the lefty in the lineup really hurt him in the fourth inning. That that was the back-to-back sliders against the lefty. When you can throw your fastball right by a lefty, just don't understand that. But, again, it gets back to what Joe Siddle was saying about when a catcher sets up away and you miss by feet in, even though it's a strike, does that mean you got good stuff? You're locating, you're mechanically sound? Probably not. So, until you can – Get back to, you know, locating somewhat with your heater and everything else will feed off of that. I'm just not exactly sure how they can continue to run him out there. But John Snyder always seems to have the the way to spin it in a way where he's not pinning himself in a corner and he's saying exactly what he needs to say about his players. Yeah, I uh, especially considering that the, uh, the way that Charlie Montoyo talked about some of his pitchers was – I mean, it just it it rub it rubs some folks the wrong way. I mean, that's the only way to put it. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety five ninety five ninety is the text line. The Baltimore Orioles beating the Blue Jays seven and three in the first of three games. The Jays have lost seven of their last nine. Kevin, some stats that Buck Martinez threw out. In their last nine starts, the Blue Jays' rotation has pitched to an ERA of 7.46. Their whip is 1.71. Their opponent's average against is 3.22. That's the rotation. We've been talking a lot about the bullpen and a lack of swing and miss stuff. The rotation right now is an issue. Captain Obvious here. The rotation right now is an issue for this team. And it- you know what, Kevin? That may be, that may be an impossible thing to correct. That may maybe. be an impossible thing to correct. Maybe. It is. Well, the Jose Barrios saga is a, is a head-scratcher a little bit just because of track record. But you get, sometimes you've got to tip your hat, too, to the schedule. Like, they face Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Baltimore, Cleveland, Baltimore again. Like, they, they face some good teams who you've got to make good pitches against. You've got to have some quality, unpredictable strike ones. You've got to be really good and un- unpredictable with, with the, the strike three pitch, what you're throwing, how you throw it, when you're, where you throw Your misses have to be really good, and, and when they're not – you know, good teams foul the close ones off to get the really good one that they can hit, and they've been hitting them again. Again, you know, Buck Martinez has said it and, and continue to say it, that it starts and will end with starting pitching. They somehow have to turn this thing around and give the lineup a chance to figure the other starting pitcher out. And if they don't do that and they're playing behind, I know John Snyder has said this multiple times, this team is young enough and – 
you know, just hasn't been around long enough to understand that it's okay to pass the baton when it says quality at bat. Like Vladdy had that 3-2 walk, and then Lourdes comes up, gets the big single, a couple of RBIs. That's what John Snyder's talking about. But can you continue to do that, and can you carry that over game to game? They just haven't shown you can do that. So the starting pitcher has to be really good until somebody runs into one. They gain some confidence that way. Somebody else runs into one, and that's sort of how they – feed off of each other that way, and, and that's how they win baseball games. But, you know, it's 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 hard. You've said this on Blair and Bark multiple times. They have a lot of things going on that they're trying to figure out, piece together, and hopefully they can do that and win some games. they got some tough teams coming up. They're going to have to pitch well. They're going to have to catch the ball, and they're going to have to get some timely hits. So before the game, Brandon Hyde was uh, talking to the media in the Orioles' dugout, talking about Ryan Mountcastle. And of course, Ryan Mountcastle missed the last game. He was hitting the left hand with a pitch. And Brandon Hyde said he's in the lineup, but you know we're going to see how it looks. We're going to have him out in the field. And they, they wanted to see if he could catch the ball, et cetera, et cetera, and make sure everything was fine. Da-da-da. Ryan Mountcastle, one-handed My- Ryan Mountcastle comes out, Kevin, and hits another home run. I mean, it's the eternal mystery of baseball, why some players hit particular teams well. But, I mean, no disrespect to Ryan Mountcastle, but, I mean, this, this isn't like Manny Ramirez tattooing the Blue Jays, right? It, 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 it's, it's not like Jose Bautista owning the Orioles or anything like that. It's a guy who's a good player, certainly an above-average player, I think we'd say. But against the Blue Jays, it's like he finds a phone booth and becomes Superman. What, what are you seeing? Is there something about his approach? Is there something about what the Jays are or not doing with him that explains this this run of success. I, I do think you can gain confidence off of one team. You you do like facing certain guys, you know, in, in their rotation, out of their pen. They just seem to to not, you know, you're not afraid of the inside corner. You're not afraid that a, that a team can move your feet, which is, man, when I played, that would have been the first thing. You would have got chin music. You'd have been put on your fanny. You took a big daddy hack trying to go back Lake City. You'd have got – chin music again it just it doesn't work that way anymore a lot of guys the hard throwers don't understand how to do that it's dangerous to even ask a a pitcher to even try and do it but for me you have to make quality pitches against certain guys and give him credit he will take the close one to get the one right down the middle and when you're hot and confident against a certain team you're not missing those and you know what you do jeff you got to be really good of the hitters that are around him you can't walk the guy in front of him and then think you're going to have him come up and you're going to make the perfect pitch. It doesn't work that way all the time. And just so happens that the Blue Jays, you know, aren't making good pitches when they have to make them. Uh, going to the text line, Danny from Toronto wants you to explain, and I know you've talked about it, but he wants you to explain the importance of the lefty, the lefty hitter in this lineup. Okay, uh, well, okay, an example of that tonight is Kyle Bradish has four pitches. He has a four-seamer, a slider, a curveball, a changeup. This is his back-to-back starts against the same team. You're thinking, okay, would he make an adjustment? And he did a little bit. He started throwing oo early count, little get-me-over-breaking ball, trying to steal a strike, but he's not trying to get you out with that. And he would occasionally throw a changeup. If you throw a lefty in there, because all these righties now, when he needed an out, what did he go to? Four-seamer away, slider away. He'd try to tunnel the two pitches, which make them look the same. The tunnel's longer with the slider. and have a late break to it. You'd get some fannies out, some weak swings. If you had a lefty in there and would make him, because he doesn't want to throw a slider, that slider, because 
a bat plat, pay, uh, plane from a lefty. You know, they got that natural uppercut. That slider will come right into the barrel. That's how he hits it. So it would force him to throw a changeup. It would force him to throw a changeup or a curveball. So now he's having to use all four pitches instead of two pitches to get everybody out. So it just adds a different thing of now the catcher has to do more thinking. They have to locate more sides of the plate, all quarters into the strike zone, instead of just going to one place with two pitches all the time. Greg and Barry wants to know, is it possible that a pitcher can get in his own team's head? <laughs> there was his own team's heads. He's talking about the Jays and the way they play behind you, say Kikuchi. I, we talked I, about I, this. It's uh, you know, his. I thought his rhythm and tempo was a little better today. You know, look, he threw. He he was strike one. I believe six of the first nine guys he faced, and then that inning, uh, the third inning, it was like, I mean, he he fell behind everybody. I believe he fell behind the first, the first four, certainly the first three batters he faced. But yeah, you said it's hard. It's hard to play behind a guy like that, man. The ball's in play an awful lot. And bad stuff happens when the ball's in play in baseball. It really does. I, I, I've never played behind Yusei Kikuchi, obviously, but I have played behind some really bad pitchers who struggle throwing strikes, quality strikes, have a lot of non-competitive pitches. You get flat-footed. You start to, you know, wander and you start looking in the stands and you're thinking about where you're going to dinner and you're not thinking about what you need to do, which is be ready to catch the baseball, know where you're going to throw it before it actually is hit. All the things that go into being a really good everyday player, you tend to not do that with guys that have trouble that you say Kikuchi have had. But, again, no excuses. They're big leaguers. Figure it out. Make the plays you're supposed to make. And they're just not doing that consistently. You know, you can blame Yusei Kikuchi for only so many things. The approaches at the plate, you can't blame him for that. They need to get better. If they don't get better, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. This is an interesting comment from Ty Stoville. I had not thought of this, but uh, it, it's got me thinking. If the Jays weren't in a playoff spot heading into the trade deadline, would the front office have taken a different ap- approach and been more aggressive or do about the same they did? In other words, I think what Ty is saying, if the Jays were, were, were let's say, were, well, where the Orioles were, right? You know, let's say two, two and a half games out of the play, theoretically, two and a half games out of the wild card, you know you're not going to win the division, right? The Yankees have got the big lead, you're two and a half out. It's an interesting thought. I, I, I kind of wonder about that. I kind of wonder if maybe the Jays... They've been caught playing it too safe here, Kevin. Maybe, maybe. I know we had Jeff passing on, and and we asked him, why didn't the deals with the Detroit Tigers take take place? And he was saying that it was going to take too many established big leaguers plus a couple of big-time prospects to get what the the Blue Jays were wanting to get from Detroit. I think the price was too high. That, for me, is what what it was because they're not going to give away a Teoscar Hernandez midseason. You might trade him at the end of the season. In the off season, you might do that, but all the other things that go into in season, trading your cleanup hitter, I just don't see that happen. So I think the price was too high. I think that what it basically came down to, and you're just not going to give up what they wanted for what you were going to get back. Seven to three, the Orioles beat the Jays tonight. The good thing about baseball is you get to do it again tomorrow. The Jays and Orioles will get back at it at seven oh seven. Do not forget Wednesday is an afternoon game, a 3.07 first pitch. Mr. Barker and myself will be here, or we'll be back 
tomorrow for Blue Jays Talk. As always, you can listen to us on Blair and Bark from 10 to noon Eastern on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. So, for all of us here, thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.